Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. Took us so long to get rolling today. All the homes are sold and interest rates are back to 2%. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Mr. Rushworth, Mr. Napolitano. Welcome to your long weekend fun. Good morning, Uh, We don't have any numbers for uh, August yet, do we, Paul? We don't know. It's too early. They usually come out usually around the 4th or the 5th, but because of the weekend, it probably won't be until maybe maybe Tuesday, Wednesday next week. But it'll be interesting when those numbers come out to see what happened. Um, you know, it, it's we've seen a bit of a halt to the market, and obviously Wednesday will probably be even worse when they have the interest rate hike, depending on what it's going to be. And uh, I think we might have a little bit of a slowdown even more. So, uh, you know, we're getting back to a balanced market, which is, you know, normal. There's a lot of uh, a lot of my agents. We had our Tuesday meeting this week. A lot of my agents were like, anyone have any advice? Anyone who's got in the market over the last two years, anyone have any advice on how to navigate this market? And I'm like, you know what? We're in Ottawa. Markets change all the time. We go up, we go down, we flatten, we do this, we do that. So I don't think it's a need to panic. I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more fair right now for buyers than it's a little bit unfair right now for sellers. But homes are still selling in different pockets of the city. Yeah, we're talking maybe three quarters of a point on Wednesday, right, Frank? Yeah, uh, that's uh, everything is priced in for a three quarter of a percent increase. A lot of uh, economists are predicting this might be the last one uh, because they'll have two months of data to follow up on before the next announcement, which is the end of October. And by then they feel like, uh, hey, I was driving this morning and uh, gas was at a dollar forty-five a liter, which yep. seems like a deal right now, even though I don't think it's a deal because oil is down to the 80. It's in the 80s where it was at 120. So, but um, I don't know. I think people are feeling it. The average Canadian is feeling it. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, you know, the economy is going to start to slow down. There's no question about that. The job numbers are still very healthy. The U.S. reported another healthy month of job numbers, but you know, that's one statistic. And then you speak to people and, you know, all the interviews they do with the with the average American and they're struggling. They're having a hard time, you know, getting by with uh, with the high cost of food and, and everything else. But why three quarters of a point? I mean, in history, we've only gone up usually a quarter point at a time. And now we're going up one. We're going up 50. Now we're going maybe 75. He's trying to to calm down the inflation numbers. But at the end of the day, you know, really, I mean, if they did a six-month analysis of inflation, then we're not at 7.7% like we were. We're probably down in the threes or fours. But because they do it on an annual basis, it's kind of an unfair way to to uh, to uh, to judge it. And therefore, we're seeing, you know, uh, you know, the interest rates go up as much as they have. And listen, uh, you know, like Paul said, I mean, the numbers are probably not going to be healthy for August. They're likely not going to be healthy for September, October, November, or December. Because at the end of the day, they've priced out a whole bunch of home buyers right now. Home buyers just cannot afford to buy a home. Either they don't qualify, or even if they qualify, they're looking at their payments and saying, no, I don't think it's time. We'll wait it out. We'll wait for interest rates to come back down. And I said years and years ago before the pandemic, you know, I said that normal five-year interest rates will be in the threes. Until we get back in the threes, that's when we're going to see the market go back to normal. But, you know, Paul, to your point, To me, at least, most of my customers are telling me it feels more like a buyer's market than a balanced market. It's gone from a seller's market, missed the balance. Now, some neighborhoods, obviously, are still sellers and some are balanced. But overall, most people that I'm talking to 
feel like right now it's a buyer's market and not even a balanced market. I, I did a search uh, this morning for a client, and you know, I'm not going to say where because I don't want anyone to panic in that area. Townhomes. There was 38 comparable townhomes in this area, and a lot of them were in the low sixes, where before used to be anywhere from a mid six to somewhere in the sevens in this area. So, you know, we we are we do have some areas that are teetered into a buyer's market. Uh, you know, some are in that balanced market. And there's a there's a few that still are in that seller's market, but it's. Um, you know, when you mentioned, I, I met with a client this week who said, you know, should I be selling now or should I wait until spring 2023? And I said, you know what? There's no guarantee that 2023 is going to be any anywhere better than where we are right now. Uh, in fact, we might even come down a little bit more. I, I think we're going to be, I, I mean, I, I said we we're going to have a tough end of this year. I, I think our 2023 is going to be a very average market as well. I mean, I, I think we'll probably go up, you know, average sale price, but not much. Um I, I think we're in for maybe, you know, six, 15, 16 months of, of, of tough markets and then maybe getting better into 2024 when the when the rates are back where they, they should be. Uh, and there's still going to be a little bit more inventory at the time. So I think 2023 could be another very average year. Have you seen the uh, a lot of the reports that have come out this week from the major banks on real estate prices, Paul? 20 to yeah. 25 percent, right, Frank? Yeah. Yeah. Some banks are predicting 20 to 25. Now, I think that's, that's, Canada, that's though. excessive. Yeah, but that's, that's CIBC excessive. and TD Bank. Both of them are yeah. both of them are saying that. But and we're, we're we're talking first quarter of 2023. Yeah, they're saying really drastic. So again, if interest rates stay where they are, that's where you know I don't think the Bank of Canada's taken into consideration the damage they're doing to the real estate market. I think they're thinking about the inflation numbers only and forgetting about what it's doing to the real estate market, which is for most Canadians that's their. To them, that's their retirement. For most Canadians, their home is their retirement package. That's where they have all their equity. Uh, you know, it's a nice, safe place to have equity. And if you start tinkering with the equity in their home, I think that's where Canadians get really, really nervous. When they when they talk about twenty to twenty five percent, they're talking Canada wide. I think the, they the are hard, the the places that are going to going to get hit the hardest. Toronto, Vancouver. Yeah, the more volatile places that go up and down much quicker in peaks and valleys. And I think Toronto and Vancouver are probably going to lead the way with that. I mean, will Ottawa, will we come down from our peak? Absolutely, we will. Well, we already but, have, right? Well, we already have. But keep in mind, you know, at, at our peak, we were up in the, in the last 16 months, we were up $210,000 on our average sale price. So we dropped we dropped twenty. So we're now at $190,000 up in the last 16 months on our average sale price. So I think we're doing pretty good. Even if we dropped another, you know, the people that are going to feel it. I mean, I've had two people wanting the guarantees that just closed on their property. And I've had to go in and say, I know you paid this, but I'm sorry. This is where your market value is right now. And it's, it's considerably less than what they paid for that property. So anyone who has to sell, let's say over the next, you know, who bought over the last, let's say, I'd say 15, 16 months, yeah, it, it, you're you're going to feel it a little bit selling right now, but at the same time, I mean, we we could see a little bit more of a of a drop come you know the early parts of 2023. But I don't predict 20 to 25 percent here in Ottawa. I, I mean, in fact, I, I say no chance for here in Ottawa. What do you think will go down? Maybe 10? Not even. No. Not even. No, I don't think we're going to. I mean, we're we're going to be more flat. And when I say flat, it could you know I call one to four percent maybe flat, one to three percent maybe flat, and I think we probably will be in that range, one to three percent. But who knows? 
who knows? No one predicted what you know, what happened during the pandemic. No, no one really knows what's going to happen. And even the client I met with the other day, and she's like, well, you must know what's going to happen in spring next year. And I'm like, in a normal market? Yes, I can tell you what's going to happen in spring right now. I can't tell you what's going to happen in spring. No I mean, kidding. Or when well, spring market will even start this time. Well, we haven't seen rates do this ever this quick, right? We've never seen rates go up this quick, you know, and lack of inventory. We're still, you know, I said it last week. Our largest cohorts are our are, are, uh, baby or millennials. Sorry, our largest cohorts are millennials, and they're in their peak buying days right now, and they have nothing to buy. Their inventory is so low, even though it's starting to creep on the market. It's still low. Hey, hey, Paul, are you at the cottage? No, I'm at house. At my house. Oh, you sound like you're underwater. That's why. <laughs> oh, do I? <laughs> you're getting the echo too, Steve. No, it sounded fine here. <laughs> okay, that's oh, my phone then. There you go. Well, you're in, you're in Stittsville. That you can understand why, right? I, I don't I, I don't know what you're talking about. Talking about talking about. <laughs> is that is that happening or no? No, it's not. Okay, it's my it's mine then. It's my signal here. Hey, I'm yeah. starting to read articles on rent to own. Are is that still a thing? Does anybody rent to own anymore? I wouldn't even look at rent to own. The reason is, is you can't predict what's going to happen with the prices. You know, if, if, if you were doing a rent to own before this pandemic started, and what, ha- what, you, what happens with a rent to own is you pay higher rents that go towards your down payment whenever you own it. The problem being is, let's say uh, we do a rent to own, and, and I say, okay, in two years, I'm going to buy this townhouse for X. And the market did what it did during the pandemic. It would have been X times, you know, 10, and they bought it for X. So you don't so, sign a contract on rent to own of here's what I'm going to buy it for in five years? You do. You do. You, this is what I'm going to buy it for in five years. Or or you could say, I'll buy it for market value in five years. Mm. But who's market value? A realtor's, an appraiser's, or the seller's market value? So it's, I mean, I, I, they could become more popular, but I still don't see that program, of, you know, lasting, put it that way. Yeah, I'm just it, wondering you know why I'm hearing about more it popular? It is going to become more popular. You know why it's going to become more popular? Federal government's getting behind it. Trudeau's allocated money for rent to own. So I thought I they put the I thought they put the plug in that. I don't think so. This week, I think he he made an announcement this week that's saying that he's going to move ahead. And I can't remember what the number was. It was two hundred millions of dollars. Two hundred yeah. million, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it was a lot of money going towards uh, rent to own. Hmm. So, I don't know where. Clearly not Toronto. I don't think Toronto is going to be the place for the rent to owns. I doubt it, but. Um, I imagine he'll pick some communities that uh, that they can do it uh, with affordability. Wow. Well, nice to see them trying to help the real estate market as they keep increasing interest rates. <laughs> 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back with Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth. All right, Frank, if you need a mortgage before Wednesday, which way to go? <laughs> well, I don't think you make a decision because of Wednesday. Obviously, what's going to happen on Wednesday is that your variable rate mortgage is going to go up because the prime rate goes up by three quarters of a percentage point. You're probably going to see the, uh, obviously, the variance. As long as the variance stays intact, we're going to be okay. Because right now you can still get on a high ratio mortgage. You can probably get prime minus one percent. I think you may want to cut a, off your yeah. Zoom feed there. Yeah, Frankie. yeah. Frank, can you uh, cut off your Zoom? You're the big Echo yeah. Man now. Yeah. <laughs> just just mute, right. your, mute your Zoom. This is going so no, well today. Right off. Yeah. Seriously. How's that? <laughs> That's much better. <laughs> is that better? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so again, I mean, you know, with prime going up three quarters of a percentage point, and, and the the decision becomes even tougher because that'll bring prime to five point four five percent. 
And now you, even if you got a high ratio mortgage, which again, first time home buyers are out of the market. So, but then you'd be at 4.45. So on a high ratio five year fix, you can still get about 4.59. So you're virtually for the first time in a long time, the prime, the variable rate mortgage is similar to the five year fix. So tough decision for some, because most people are using the fact that there's a, you know, they've seen what's happened over the last six months and that's what they're focusing on. So they think that rates are going to continue to go up. So therefore that'll scare them enough to be able to go into a five-year fixed and, and they'll choose to go into a five-year fixed. The issue with that is if rates do start to come back down, then it's very difficult to get out of that five-year fixed rate mortgage. Well, why would, why would you want to go for a five-year fixed if you're at the peak? We think we're at the peak or close to it now. Well, let me tell you why. There's lenders right now that are calling their customers that, are, that have mortgages coming up six months to a year from now and trying to coerce them into early renewing their 3% mortgage and locking in now at a rate of 5%. And they're saying that you've seen what's happened in the last six months. If this continues, you may not be able to afford your mortgage. So you might want to early renew now. Such a greedy approach wow. by some of the big banks. Uh, it, it, to me, it's sickening personally, because if they 100% knew that those rates were going up, that's one thing. The, the bottom line is that their own economists are predicting a recession, which means that rates are going to come down. So you've got from one side, you've got one side of the bank that's saying, hey, we're probably going to hit a recession. We'll probably see some of the rates come back down. And then you've got the other side, the profit driven people that are saying, hey, let's call these customers and see, you know, see if they're in panic mode. And if they are, maybe we can get them to convert, get out of their 3% mortgage, pay a penalty and get into a 5% mortgage on you know, the risk that rates might be higher when the maturity happens six months to a year from now. Oh, that doesn't Absolutely make any sense to me anywhere you cut it. That doesn't make any sense at all. No. It doesn't, unless the bank makes you think that your interest rate six months from now could be 6% instead of 5%. So all of a sudden, now you're making decisions thinking that we don't want to be at 6%. We'd rather be at 5 That's what they do. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, at least still, even, even though the variable, even though the variable and the fixed are, are going to be sort of the same, I would still take a variable because rates are going down. They have to go down. They can't come keep going up. Speaking, well, we think so. We think so. Again, I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I think so. You think so. I think most economists think so. But again, there are consumers that have gone through the last six months in a variable rate mortgage, and they've done it because advice of people like myself, mortgage brokers and banks, because we took what Tiff Macklem said at heart, which is Canadians, don't worry, you can continue on borrowing because rates aren't going to go up anytime soon. And that was just a short nine, 10 months ago that he said that. And in a you know six month or four month cycle, five month cycle, he's raised interest rates by almost three prime rate by almost three percentage points by the time the end of Wednesday rolls around. So um, it's unfortunate that those people are really feeling it, the people in the variable rate mortgage, which really did make a, a smart choice at the time. It's backfired on them. Wow. Let's go to the phone quickly and say hello to Dave in Ottawa. Hello, Dave. Hi, Dave. How's it going? Uh, we're doing great. No technical difficulties here whatsoever. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> what can we I do for you, Dave? We, we know the rates are going to go up probably in the next couple of days. I got burned by, I had a 120-day guaranteed rate, and I was shy 10 days on my closing. If I had known the rates were going to go up, should I have gone back to the bank and get like an extension for another 120 days? Like, could people do that? Should they be doing that proactively? 
Well, if you know, right? I mean, this is the problem. And, uh, and builders are putting their hands up saying that COVID's creating all these delays. But what the builders aren't taking responsibility for is the fact that it's costing Canadians thousands and thousands of dollars when there's a delay, even as short as 10 days. Now, most banks, when I worked at TD Bank, we always had that little buffer period where, uh, you know, it's not your fault. It's not like you did anything wrong for this to happen. So, you know, we'd, uh, we plead our case. And in most cases, we'd be able to get an exception on it. The reason you're not getting an exception on it today is because of the dramatic increases that we've seen. You know, before it used to be a quarter point, half a percentage point. But if you look at where your rates were 120 days uh, ago to where they are today, we're talking one and a half, two percentage points on a five-year fix, which is quite tremendous. And this is where they're they're not making those exceptions. Yeah, this was not on a new construction. It was on a, uh, you know, a... Uh, 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 previously built place, and I was a little surprised the bank wouldn't extend it another ten more days. I actually ended up walking away from that bank and going somewhere else. But had I had I taken my own advice of knowing the rates are going to go up, I should have probably gone back to the bank. Can I get that extended another 120 days at the rate that is that? Yeah, had you known, listen, had all of us known. I mean, I I would not have put anybody in a variable rate mortgage had I known that what Tiff Macklem said eight months ago, nine months ago, was totally false. I, I took him for his word because he's the governor of the Bank of Canada. And he made that comment th- and thinking, and we knew that inflation was around the corner. Now, what we didn't see is Ukraine and the Russia issue and, and you know, what oil prices did. But at the end of the day, um, you know, still, we expected inflation to kick in and maybe rates to go up, but not to the level that they have in so quickly and so dramatically in a matter of three, four months. Thank you, Dave. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back with Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth. All right, Paul, we're heading into crunch time now. If I want to sell my house, how do I go above and beyond to make sure I get the attention it deserves? Well, first of all, if you're thinking of selling your house, and, and we've had a couple this year who are waiting a little bit longer, now's the time you need to get pictures of your property, depending on when you're selling. You're selling right away if you're selling later in the fall or even early in the spring. You need to get the photography done now while the gardens are still nice, grass is still nice, because we probably have maybe three to four weeks left until everything starts to die and look ugly and and stuff like that. So that's number one, is getting that. But the biggest thing you need to do is is, is realtors right now are earning their money. Um, You need a a solid marketing plan, um, lots of social media presence, lots of search engine optimization, lots of online you just need you need that right now. It's something we did, you didn't really need over the last two years. I mean, you needed it, but it just wasn't. I mean, there was there was agents getting away with doing not a lot to get homes sold. It can't happen anymore. I mean, you need the full service, the full attention, the proper service to get your home sold, and it all comes down to marketing, advertising, and uh, and what platforms you use to to get the, that house seen to be sold. And it, more than ever, this is the time you need that right now. How many agents should I interview? You know what? It all depends. I mean, once you interview us once, you probably won't need to interview anyone else. However, <laughs> saying that, saying that, it never hurts to interview two or three agents. And, and what you want to know is what their metrics are, what they do to get homes sold, where they advertise, how many homes have they sold, how close to asking price do they get. 
you know, what did they do last year, the year before, and what did they do this year? Where are they spending their marketing dollars to get your house seen to be sold? Uh, what are they doing to get your home sold? What's the attention you're going to get? Um, what are the programs that they're using? How big is their team? Do they have specialists or just generalists? Uh, it's really, really important that you interview and ask the right questions. And, and, you know, someone needs to come in there and tell you exactly what they're going to do to get your home sold. And if they don't have a plan, you got the wrong person or the wrong team. You need a plan in today's market what's for the, sure. What's the benefit of a team? Well, the benefit of a team, I mean, I'll just use my team as an example. My agents, their sole job is to get your home sold. They're not doing the photography and the pictures and the marketing and the advertising. You know, they're not doing, you know, lockboxes and websites and all that stuff. Their sole job, because I, ha- I employ people to do all that stuff for them. Their sole job is to meet with you and get your home sold. Find a buyer for your property. Uh, or if they're working with you to buy a property, their sole job is to help you find the property. And they're not worrying about, they're not worrying about, you know, all the, the minutia that, because when you get into real estate, you get in for the free time and the money. And the first two things that go are the free time and the money because you're spending most of your time doing admin work. And when you're doing that admin work, you're not able to do what you, what you got into real estate to do. And that is to help people. Um, and so that's why a team is very important. I mean, I think the real estate industry as a whole is going towards teams. I mean, the, the single agent, it's really, really tough to survive in today's market or to give the right service in today's market. If you're trying to do it alone, um, and, and listen, some of the best salespeople are the worst at the, the stuff that they, like the minutia that, that I hire people to take care of. They're, cause they're, they're salespeople. That's what they want to do. Help people, help them sell and buy. So yeah, having a team and having a well-run team is going to help you get top dollar for your property. Because like I said, my team sold jobs to get homes sold for you. I always thought the reason people went into real estate was to see their face on a bus bench. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that true. That's true. And, and listen, I was actually looking at my business cards the other day because I don't use them a lot anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, I had long hair and I have no gray in my hair. I'm, like, I'm, I'm that typical real estate agent who has a picture from the 1980s. <laughs> but hey, Fra- it's true. Hey, Go ahead. Frank, the irony is you'll, inter- you'll interview two or three different agents because you're selling your house, but you won't look that hard when you're doing your mortgage, right? Uh, again, the idea is being if you go to a mortgage broker, then they're out there to get the best mortgage for you. Now, are all mortgage brokerages the same? Not necessarily. Obviously, some have more experience than others. Some have deeper relationships with some of the lenders that give them some benefits, such as maybe uh, better underwriting services where they'll they'll make some exceptions for some of the brokerages. Um, others have better rates. Sometimes you'll get better rates because, again, you do volumes with the brokerages. And then there's those online brokerages that promote these amazing rates. But the truth is that out of 10 people, maybe one person would qualify for that rate. And their whole purpose of, of advertising that low rate is to generate leads. And then they try and upsell you and tell you why you don't qualify for that rate and you get a different rate. So, um, again, there's lots. Of, and banks, I mean, banks are the highest price right now. If you look at a five-year fixed rate, you the highest price that you can uh, the highest rate you can pay is at a big bank right now they have an attitude right now where the bond market is where it is and they refuse to uh give the customers a break i mean they're looking at their bottom line you know as much as their profits have been fantastic they're down from last year and that's not the way they operate their profits always have to go up so right now they've increased their spread and and we're seeing some of the major banks right now that have the highest rates and higher rates than the non-bank lenders 
who coincidentally a lot of them give that money to to lend out to consumers to begin with. And what rates are you talking about? How much? Well, you look at you look at a high ratio purchase today. Uh, rates will range anywhere between 4.49 to 4.69 with non-bank lenders, and most major banks are anywhere between 504 to 539. I mean, a tremendous difference right now on a high ratio purchase mortgage uh, between a bank and a non-bank lender. This is what I'm saying. Like, why wouldn't if you have your your mortgage already with a bank, a lot of people just automatically renew without shopping around or interviewing at least another bank or two or going to a broker and I, you know, you should do all three and get the best rate you can, don't you think? Get the best advice. Well, 100%. I mean, I mean, again, I mean, if you go to a broker, they're supposed to shop around for you and see what's best for you. But they need to understand your circumstances. You know, we still get emails that say, what's your best five-year rate? It's not that simple. We need to understand more about what your needs are. And then from there, we can tell you what the best five-year rate is. But we can't just generally tell you, here's the best five-year rate, because that that's what online brokerages do they tell you here's the rate we can get you but then once they get your information they say oops you don't qualify for that rate all of a sudden you know you're not getting 4.59 you're getting 5.19 when they send you a commitment and they hope that at that point you've done the work and you're going to stick with them even though in many ways they've they've you know they promoted false advertising and they've you know they've got you over a barrel sometimes because they'll wait until closer to the closing date to give you that and they don't give you time to go anywhere else yeah and do and do yeah go ahead paul Frank, let me ask you a question. Um, is there any time that if I, let's say I was shopping for a residential property, just a typical easy purchase, is there any time you'd make me sign a contract saying that I have to pay you by the hour? Uh, no, I don't. I, you know, I think, I understand why realtors do it because realtors are, are taking people in their cars and driving them around everywhere and spending a lot more time. I, I, I mean, for us, you know, if you're good at what you do, if you're a good mortgage broker, you already know what's out there, what the lenders are offering out there. So the minute you get that client's information, you know, it's not that labor intensive at that point. Again, for the good mortgage brokers, it really isn't. They already know what's out there. They're already able to match that client with a lender. So, so again, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not investing the time that a realtor is when it comes to you well, know, driving people around when it comes wait, to buyers. Wait, so, wait, wait till I tell you a story in the break, Frank. Okay. <laughs> somebody's actually charging by the hour, Paul? Some, yeah, a mortgage broker is actually charging by the hour. And it's in fine. It, obviously, it's in fine print. But, uh, wow. and Frank, when you and I talk in the break, break you'll probably guess who it is. But, um, and then, but as for realtors, we don't do that. Realtors do not charge by the hour to show you properties and help you in that. We, we're, we're probably one of the only professions where you just work with the hopes of getting paid and spend money with the hopes of getting paid and helping someone buy and sell properties. We well, the irony is, too, that if you're looking for a house, you don't pay anything. And if you're going to a mortgage broker, again, you don't pay anything. So where's the loss here? Well, in, in real estate, you don't pay anything until we successfully helped you with a transaction on either side. Yeah. We help you on the buy side or the sell side. I mean, we, on the sell side especially, I mean, we fork out thousands of dollars to help you get your home sold with the hopes of getting it sold. Um, and that's just what we do. That's our profession. And, and that's why it's in our vested, best interest to make sure that you get the best service and the best price and get your home sold. I mean, that's the only way, one, either of us are going to be successful. But it also explains, Paul, why really, really good real estate agents won't take a listing if the seller is insisting on listing it for $100,000 more than the market value, because from a listing agent standpoint, why would we invest a whole bunch of marketing money when reality is that that property is overpriced and it just doesn't make the realtor look good? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I go into a listing 
And it's, they're, they're so, they have no, first of all, they have no motivation. Anyone who has no motivation doesn't really need to sell. A lot of times they're going to want to overprice it or there's, if there's any red flags like that, I mean, yeah, I'll just say, listen, I don't think we're a great fit. I think there's probably someone out there that might be a better fit. I mean, if I'm going to go spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get your house to market and get it sold and professional photos and videos and all that stuff, I mean, and, and, and if you're not motivated to sell and it's not going to sell, I mean, I'll just say I don't know if we're the right fit for the, for the job. But, Paul, you must hear this all the time. Let's just try it and see. Well, you know, you do. You do. And in, in a market like when we were going through COVID, sometimes that would work. In a regular market like we are now, that's the worst thing you can do. Because if you say, let's try it. Well, first of all, if you're not getting showings in your first two weeks, you have a price problem. If you're getting no showings your first two weeks, you also have a price problem. By then, by the time you go to drop that price because you weren't realistic, all of a sudden people think, why is that house sitting so long? What's wrong with that house? There has to be something wrong with that house, even though there's not. It was just a price problem. And that's why you need a realtor who will go in there and tell you what you need to know to get your home sold, not what you want to hear to get your home sold. Because if it's, I mean, a good chunk of our job is pricing it correctly analyzing the data and helping you analyze the data so you're successful in getting your home sold. And if we overprice that property, and the longer it sits, the less you're going to get in your pocket. Eventually, it could sell by the the time you've reduced it two or three times, and then you're getting less in your pocket. So, you know, that's why a a large chunk of when we go through the door, we spend a lot of time just analyzing the area, the market, forecasting what we believe is going to happen in the market and in that area. You know, how many comparables are on the market? How many homes are there? What has sold in the last two weeks to a month? Um, you know, what's, the, what's the, uh, the nice things about your property that we can jack up the price for it? It's just analyzing that data and coming up to that price is a good, good part of our job. And a lot of times we price it with you. We'll bring the evidence. We'll bring the forensic evidence. We'll go through it together. And then we'll ask you, where do you see the value of your home? Looking at all these comparables and all this evidence. And a lot of times you'll price it yourself just with, with our data. And with more and more homes coming on the market now, Paul, your place better shine, right? Because there's a lot more comparables next door to you that your place better show a whole lot better than the one next door now. Absolutely. Like when we were going through COVID, I'd, I'd go through a door and people say, okay, I want to fix this, fix this, this, this. I say, nope, get it on the market just as is. I promise it's going to sell. Now, when there's, like I said this morning, I looked at this one area for townhomes. There was 38 townhomes on the market. You better shine. I mean, you... Even if your paint's off, your light fixtures are off, it doesn't smell good, it's not clean enough, it's, you know, it's not decluttered, anything to turn off a buyer, and you're in trouble. Your house has to shine. You have to outweigh the competition in, in today's market. Do you take the plastic off the sofa before the people come through? <laughs> <laughs> and you need to make sure you have your second kitchen all you do, eh, Frank? <laughs> Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk five eighty CFRA. Back with Paul Rushforth and Frank DePaulisano. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. To the phones we go and say hello to Connor in Ottawa. Hello, Connor. Hi. I have a question about my variable rate mortgage, but before I ask it, um, Paul sold the house several months ago on my parents' street, right when things were at their their prime in terms of how hot the market was. And my sister actually went to look at the house, and it needed a lot of work. And they still went in like 125 over asking, and it still 
went above that to somebody else. And I just was thinking, Paul, with what you were just saying, imagine that house if it was listed today, what, how different it would be and what you would have to do to get that house sold. Uh, Connor was very staticky. Are we, uh, did he say what I'd have to do now to sell that home? Yeah, the difference between then and now. Well, the, the difference is, is they probably would never get the price they got. I know which house you're talking about. Um, in, in that time in the market, you didn't have to have your house looking great. So yeah, he's, you know, just, he's just saying, imagine what you'd have to do now. Oh yeah, imagine. Oh my, yeah, yeah. It would be a, it would be a totally different conversation with those sellers right yeah. now for sure. But anyway, my question for today is actually to Frank. Um, with the the rate increase that's going to come in the next few days, I'm going to pass my trigger rate, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, Frank, if you haven't seen that even happen in your career until recently. And I suspect that I'm one of many people who this rate increase is what's going to finally push them over the trigger rate. Um, and I'd like to know how fast you think the banks, or my lender, TD in this case, is actually going to act and increase my payment or make me make a lump sum payment, or if it's something that I'm going to have time to you know, deal with. Good question. Yeah, great question, and uh, Connor, very astute. Uh, trigger rate, which which we haven't heard a lot of, and you're right, in my career, it's never happened. So this is going to be the first time it happens where the trigger rate basically is a rate that the bank sets out at the time that you get your variable rate mortgage. And what happens is your payments with banks like TD are static. So even though prime rate goes up and or down, your rate remains static. Now, if prime rate goes down, they leave your payment static, and what happens is you're making more more principal uh, on every payment and less interest because the rate has come down. What happens when the interest rates go up like they have and when they go up as quickly as they have, like they have over the last three months, four months, that trigger rate gets uh, released. And, and, and what happens is now your payments, there's not enough going to principal. So you've exceeded. And in many cases, you'll see some, that some clients are already started off at 25 years. They're at 40, 45 years in amortization. And that is where the banks right get now. nervous. And therefore, what's going to happen, I think, in your case, or at least everything I've seen that TD does, you're probably going to get a, a letter sometime within 30 days of the next prime rate change indicating that your payment is about to change and here's when it's going to change and here's the amount it's going to change by and here's why it's changing. Did you say your amortization was at 59 now, Connor? Yes. I, it was a 30-year mortgage that I got a little over a year ago. And... Uh, Last time I logged into online banking with all the rate increases, the amortization is at 59 years. Wow. So, yeah. virtually... So that trigger rate should have already happened. Right like, now. they should have already done it. And shame on the bank for not addressing that sooner. I think they've left it... Again, they never expected this to happen. So, um, nobody expected rates, prime rates, to go up as significantly as they have over the last four months. So, this is what's happening, and... Um, again, in many cases, uh, most clients are okay with it. But again, think about it this way. If that trigger rate hadn't been Im impacted, like you follow your mortgage rate, which is great. I can tell you that you're probably one out of five that knows that your amortization has gone up as much as it has. Most, the other four have no idea that they have a mortgage with TD and their amortization has gone, gone up that much. And so they're going to be surprised when they get the renewal agreement and they're going to see that their amortization is significantly higher than it was at the time that they got the mortgage, and they're going to be extremely disappointed. So what is the trigger rate, Frank? A couple of points above what you get your variable for? 
Yeah, it depends on what you started at. Uh, again, in many cases, they won't let it go to a 59-year amortization. So I'm surprised that they haven't already addressed that in your case, Connor. Uh, ideally, they try to get to that 40 mark. And once you go above 40 years, that's when they start to uh, say that you know, you're at that trigger rate, your mortgage is at that trigger rate, and there's not enough money going to principal. And majority of it is interest right now, and we need to change that. So um, well, every I, bank I, has a different trigger rate that they use. Uh, but most banks, again, uh, have been changing the payments as prime has gone up. TD, uh, Manulife, and I believe there's a couple of other ones, depending on the mortgage you choose, they've got both, one that the payment stays static and the other one the payment changes, depending on, on which one you chose. Uh, they have their own policies in place. But, uh, you know, I suspect that in your case, Connor, if it's a rental property, then you don't care, right? I mean... You know, it at the end of the day, you don't property. care. If it's a house you live in, I think, yeah. you know, your goal is to try and build some equity in it, and you might want to want to increase the payments anyway. All right. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> oh. Birthdays, Frank. Uh, yeah, I've got uh, Vinny Adams, uh, one of our top agents, celebrating his birthday this weekend, and uh, my brother-in-law, Maurizio Bernardi, with lots of vowels, celebrating his birthday this week, as well as his 35th anniversary this coming week with Pina Bernardi, who used to be on CFRA. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, congratulations to them for their anniversary. Paul, you must have something you want to say. I don't. I don't. <laughs> every, every time we get to the birthday segment, I'm like, damn, why didn't I do my homework? <laughs> <laughs> it's Paul at paulrushforth.com, Frank N. at mortgagebrokersottawa.com. Have a great week, and let's hope these things don't go up 75 points, Frank. I agree. Uh, I wish, but unfortunately, I think they're going to. Have a great long weekend, everyone, and please continue to support local businesses and charities.